I want to study with you a little bit this morning about the story of the Ethiopian eunuch and the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. I think this is a really valuable story and a really valuable conversion example that shows us how simple and yet how effective the gospel is. And this morning I want to study with you a little bit about how a person can be saved and what has to happen for a person to be saved, both on the side of the teacher and on the side of the hearer. So I want to begin this morning by just reading the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, starting in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. It says, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, and, as, and read Esaias the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near, and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Esaias, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this, He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Now this is a story that really demonstrates the simplicity of the gospel, and I hope as we go throughout this story and see not just what Philip did, but also what the eunuch did to allow him to receive salvation, I hope that we can see how simple the gospel is and how the gospel can work in our lives today as well. This story is one for me that often as I read it before, I would look at it and see what seemed to me like holes in the story, pieces that I couldn't fit together and things that I couldn't see how they got from point A to point B. And hopefully we can answer some of those questions in our study this morning as well. Now I want to begin in this story by noticing what happened to start out with for Philip to go and teach the eunuch. The first thing that happened in this story that allowed for the eunuch to be converted and for Philip to even teach him in the first place was that Philip was sent by the Spirit. And that's something that we find in Scripture as the first step for a person to be saved and for the gospel to be spread. Let's look at Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15. And this shows the, the need and the value of the Spirit sending one, someone to go out and teach. So in Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 15, it says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel and bring glad tidings of good things. And so this passage explains how a person can be saved, but also just step by step from the point of the Spirit sending someone to go out and teach, to that person teaching someone so that they can hear, then believing, and then obeying. 
But in order for any of that to happen, a teacher has to be sent. And that's what we see there in Acts chapter 8 in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch, is that Philip was sent by the Spirit to go and teach the Ethiopian eunuch. Now, we're not sent in the same way today, the Spirit telling us specifically to go teach someone specific. The Spirit doesn't tell us today, go out and teach this specific person in this specific place, but we are still sent. Let's turn over to Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And this is one of the accounts of the Great Commission where Christ sent his apostles out to teach, and he's sending us out to teach as well. It says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It doesn't matter that the Spirit's not coming to us and saying, You specifically, go teach this specific person that's in this specific place. Christ has given us this broad calling, and he has sent us in this passage Go and preach the gospel to every creature. This wasn't just a command for the apostles. This is a command for us today. And so just because the Spirit's not coming to us specifically and telling us who to teach, we still are sent. And so this pivotal point in the teaching of the gospel still exists today, which is the sending of teachers. And we are the teachers who have been sent. So let's go back to the story of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. And let's read a little bit about who the Ethiopian eunuch was. And let's study who he was so that we can also understand Philip's approach to teaching him. Who a person is and their background matters a great deal in the teaching of the gospel. And we're wanting to see Philip's approach to teaching the eunuch specifically. So in Acts chapter 8, 27 through 28, it says, And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Esaias the prophet. Now there's a couple of things that we need to notice about the Ethiopian eunuch so that we can understand who he was and the type of teaching that he would need, and also understand Philip's approach to him in teaching the gospel. So one of the first things that we notice about the Ethiopian eunuch is that he was a treasurer for Candace, queen of Ethiopia. But he wasn't just a treasurer, he was the treasurer. He was the one who had the authority over everything that Candace, queen of Ethiopia, had. He was a man of great authority. And we can see why, because Ethiopia at this point, it wasn't exactly the same as modern Ethiopia, and it was definitely a very powerful and a very wealthy kingdom. So the Ethiopian eunuch wasn't just in charge of a little treasury. He was in charge of all of the wealth of an entire kingdom. So this is an important man. We also see that he was devoutly religious and most likely Jewish, because he had traveled to Jerusalem for the sole purpose of worshiping. And as far as I know, there was no other religion in this time that went specifically to Jerusalem for the purpose of worshiping other than Judaism. So most likely, he was a Jew, and he had traveled this great distance to go and worship in Jerusalem. Now from what then was Ethiopia, it was a slightly different geographic place, Uh, than modern-day Ethiopia. It was approximately 1,500 miles for him to travel from what was called Cush or Nubia then up to Jerusalem for the purpose of worshiping. And I don't know how long he stayed in Jerusalem, but think about how long of a trip that is, not just in modern times, but also in his time when he's going in a horse-drawn chariot. I looked up how long it would take for us to travel these 1,500 miles going 70 miles an hour on the interstate. It would take 21 hours 
for us to make this 1,500-mile journey in a car going 70 miles an hour. Now think about the eunuch in a horse-drawn chariot. I don't know how, how fast that they could go. I don't know how fast they could go or how long they could travel in a day. But this is a slow-moving vehicle. And it seems, according to history, that he was also moving in a caravan. So he would have had others behind him that maybe couldn't even move as fast as he could. And so he's traveling 1,500 miles when he may have been making, what, 30 miles a day at best? This is a man who is committed to God. This is a man who is committed enough to make that long of a journey just for the purpose of worshiping God. That long of a journey in a time where it was not easy. It wouldn't even be easy today. It's a 21-hour drive. And so think about his commitment to God. If we look at this map, I hope you can see the, the words and the places on this map. I've labeled this part in modern-day Sudan as Kush and Nubia, which is what it was called at this point, what the ancient Ethiopia was called. And it's slightly to the northwest of what is now Ethiopia. But we can still see how long a, a journey this was over two modern-day countries. And so this was an incredible feat for him to travel that great distance for the purpose of his religion. And one thing we also need to notice is that while he was traveling, he wasn't just sitting there doing nothing. He was using the time that he had to study the scriptures. He was reading the scripture in his chariot. And he wasn't just reading it and scanning it. He was studying it. And he was looking for the answers. And he's looking at the scripture saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't know who he's talking about. I don't know what this means to me. But he was putting in the time and the effort to study the word of God. And one final thing that I want to notice about the eunuch is that he was humble enough to ask for help. And when Philip came to him and said, do you understand what you're reading? He was willing to be honest and say, no, I don't get it at all. So let's read this passage back in Acts chapter 8 where we see Philip coming to him and the first interaction that they had there at his chariot. Acts chapter 8, 30 and 31. It says, And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. If we think about someone with a great amount of power, often what I think of is a person who is proud of that power and a person who is proud of the authority that they have. This Ethiopian eunuch was a powerful man. And yet when Philip came to him and said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, I have no chance unless somebody guide me. I have no chance of understanding unless someone comes up and shows me what this is talking about. And he didn't just wait for Philip to volunteer to come up in his chariot and teach him. He said, I want you to come up in this chariot and ride with me and show me what I'm reading and show me what it means. This was a powerful man who was still willing to be honest and to be humble. Humble enough to say, I don't get it. And that's something that we need to see, not just for those before they obey the gospel, but for everyone. Anyone who wants to understand the scripture and be a, a follower of God needs to have this trait that the eunuch showed. But this is one thing that was extremely valuable and helped Philip out a lot in teaching him 
that the eunuch was willing to say he didn't get it. So let's see what Philip did in response to this. In verses 32 through 35, it says, The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So the eunuch asks this question, who is he talking about? Is the prophet Isaiah or Isaiah talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And then Philip began at that same point. He didn't just go off to somewhere else. A lot of the time when, when I want to teach somebody about the gospel, I have these specific passages that I want to go to. And I say, oh, you want to know about the gospel? Okay, here's a passage that teaches you about the gospel. And I totally disregard what they're confused about in the first place. And Philip didn't do that. He began at the same scripture that the eunuch was already reading and went from that point and taught him about Jesus. Now let's go and read the passage that the eunuch was reading there in Isaiah. Let's read Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 through 9. Just getting a little bit more of the context of this passage can help us to understand what the eunuch was confused about and also help us see the answer to his question. So in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 through 9, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. So let's analyze this scripture here for just a moment and see if we can find out the answer to the eunuch's question. Who is this talking about? Is Isaiah talking about himself or of some other man? So let's analyze this scripture and see what the answer to that question is. Early on, we see that this individual that this is talking about was led as a lamb to the slaughter and yet opened not his mouth. So this is a person who was persecuted and eventually killed and never spoke out against his persecutors. Let's continue. It says, for the transgression of my people was he stricken, and that he was cut off out of the land of the living. So we see again that he was killed, and for what reason? For the transgression of others. And then as we continue on to the end of this passage, we see that he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. And we know about Jesus that a rich man gave his grave to Jesus that he could be buried in. And then finally we see that he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Now up to that point, we could still question who this was talking about. Up to that point, we could still say maybe somebody else was persecuted and suffered because of the, the actions of others, the, the sins of others, but nobody else fits this description. Nobody else could anyone say had done no violence and hadn't said anything wrong. And so we can see clearly that this is speaking of Jesus, and that's why from this point, Philip was able to teach Jesus from this very passage. But my question has always been, what does it mean to preach Jesus? And this is one of those places in this story that I've always wondered, how do we connect the dots? How do we get from point A to point B? 
Because Philip is preaching Jesus. Well, that's a pretty broad term, isn't it? Preaching Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't live for a super long time, and he didn't have an extremely long ministry on this earth. But there's a lot that we can talk about, about Jesus. We can talk about his miracles. We can talk about his humility. We can talk about his servitude on the earth. There's so many things that we can talk about, about Jesus. So what does it mean that he preached Jesus? Well, one of the things that can help us to understand what he taught was to see the response of the eunuch to his teachings. So let's go over to Acts chapter 8, verses 35 through 36. Acts 8, 35 through 36 says, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And this is always what caused the problem in my mind in this story of how do we connect the dots? We have Philip teaching Jesus. And then we have the eunuch immediately saying, I want to be baptized. Here's water. What's stopping me from being baptized? And so this morning, I want to spend the most of the rest of our study explaining this and answering this question of what does it mean to preach Jesus and how do we get from preaching Jesus straight to baptism? So at this point in our study, I want to see, obviously, now that whatever preaching Jesus meant, it convinced the eunuch to be baptized. And at this point in our study, I want to make a statement that we haven't yet backed up with Scripture, but which is connected to some of the things that we'll study and is very connected to the rest of our study today. Baptism is how you obey the gospel. Now, you may be looking at this statement saying, hold on, we're not here yet. We haven't talked about the gospel yet. But we have talked about baptism, and we've talked about preaching Jesus. And so let's see how baptism and preaching of Jesus connects to this idea. And so first I want to study with you for just a moment about what the gospel is. And let's start in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Romans 1 and 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. So here Paul defines the gospel as the power of God unto salvation. But this doesn't help us to answer the question of what it means to preach Jesus, and it doesn't help us to connect this to baptism. Well, Paul provided a more thorough definition of what the gospel is in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And so this passage provides us a more detailed explanation of what the gospel really is. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And we also saw earlier on in this passage that it says, by which also you're saved. So the gospel, as we saw in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, is the power of God to salvation, but this gives more detail that it's the death, the burial, and resurrection. So if we're preaching the gospel, we're preaching Jesus. We're preaching about the most important things about Jesus' life. His ministry and his, his serving attitude that he had are very important things. But the thing that we teach about to provide salvation or to offer people salvation from God's word 
is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And think about where Philip was beginning his teaching of Jesus. He began in a passage in Isaiah chapter 53 that was a prophecy about the death of Christ. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He died, or he was cut off from the land of the living for our transgressions. So Philip began at a place teaching about the death of Christ and went on from there to teach about Jesus. What do you think he was teaching? He started from the death of Christ and went on and taught Jesus. And surely he taught the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we'll continue to confirm that throughout the rest of our study. But here this can help us to understand what the gospel is, and not just what the gospel is, but what Philip was teaching when it said that he preached Jesus. So whatever it means to preach Jesus, it convinced the eunuch to be baptized and Philip must have, since he began at the same scripture, speaking about the death of Christ and then continued on from there teaching Jesus, he must have taught the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So let's continue to answer this question. How does this all connect to baptism? We still haven't connected the dots between point A and point B, how we get from Philip preaching Jesus and the eunuch saying, what hinders me to be baptized? And so let's answer this question. Let's look in Romans chapter 6 and start in verses 17 through 18. It says, But God be thanked that you were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Now this is clearly connected to the gospel because the gospel is the power of God to salvation. And this is talking about someone becoming free from sin from a point of being a servant to sin. Someone being freed from sin. So someone's being saved. So the gospel's in here somewhere, but we don't see it really thoroughly explained how it connects to this passage. But what we do need to see is that through obedience from the heart to a form of a doctrine or teaching, that is what offers someone salvation. So let's actually go back in this chapter to verses 3 through 6, and this helps us to see more thoroughly how baptism is connected to the gospel, and therefore how baptism was connected to the teaching of Jesus that we find there in Acts chapter 8 from Philip. So in Romans 6, verses 3 through 6, it says, Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. And so this passage talks a lot about the opportunity for salvation. It talks there at the last part of this, of this passage that we should not serve sin, and that our old man is crucified, that our old man of sin has been removed and destroyed. But this passage connects baptism to the gospel. It says, as many of you, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. So there we see that first part of those three elements that we found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, which sum up the gospel. So they were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism. Well, there's the second part from there in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And it's also connected to baptism. And then it says that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father... Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Through baptism, we have an opportunity for newness of life and being raised up as a new person. And so through baptism, we're connected to all three of the elements of the gospel 
that we studied in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And so this helps us to understand what it means to preach Jesus and also what it means today to preach the gospel. Philip was teaching these three elements of the gospel to the Ethiopian eunuch. He was teaching about the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And we can see that he must have been because of the eunuch's response. And that he said, what hinders me from being baptized? What is stopping me from being baptized? And so let's continue to Acts chapter 8 and verse 37, where Philip answered that very question, what hinders me from being baptized? Acts 8 and 37, it says, And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So we've connected the dots between point A and point B. And we've seen how we can get from preaching Jesus to a person saying, I want to be baptized, and I want to be baptized now. So what's stopping me? And so when the eunuch asked that question, what's stopping me from being baptized, Philip says this, if you believe, then you may. And so the eunuch answers, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so here we see very quickly and very simply two extremely important things happening. Let's start over to Mark chapter 16 and verse 16, which talks a little bit about the need for belief before baptism. In Mark 16 and verse 16, it says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And so a person must believe before baptism is an option. They must believe before they can be baptized. And that's why when the eunuch asked this question, what's stopping me from being baptized? Philip answered with, if you believe, you may. But we also see another very important thing happening in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, which is his confession of his faith, where he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So let's turn over to Romans chapter 10 and verse 10 where it explains the need, not just for belief, but also for confession of that belief. Romans chapter 10 and verse 10, it says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And this is exactly what happened in the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. He believed, and he said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And so let's end our story of the Ethiopian eunuch here in Acts chapter 8, verse 38 through 39 where it says, And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. So we have a very rapid and a very simple explanation of what it takes for a person to be saved on both the side of the teacher and the side of the hearer. And we see the eunuch first just asking for help, being willing to receive help from someone because he didn't understand what he was reading. And we see Philip coming up into that chariot with him and just teaching Jesus. And a lot of the time we overcomplicate what the gospel is and we overcomplicate what it takes for someone to be saved. And instead, Philip just got up in the, in the chariot with him and taught him about Jesus and about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And then from that point, the eunuch asked the question, What's stopping me from being baptized? And Philip quickly and simply answered it by saying, you have to believe. You have to believe with all your heart. And the eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he believed, and not only did he believe, he confessed that belief. And at that point, Philip knew that he was prepared to be baptized, and he baptized him there in that body of water that they had come across. And so we see the gospel story simply unfolding in this story of the Ethiopian eunuch. So often, 
we as Christians look at teaching the gospel and say, I don't know how to start. When all we have to do is ask a person the simple question, do you understand what you're reading? And teach them the simple story of Jesus and his death, burial, and resurrection. So to the Christian this morning, I encourage you not to overcomplicate the gospel because it is a simple message. And to the Christian this morning, I encourage you to go out and teach Jesus and go out and ask simple questions like, do you understand what you're reading? Because that can open a door for us to teach the gospel to someone and lead them to be saved. And to the person who hasn't obeyed the gospel yet, the gospel's simple. It's a simple message. And I encourage you to consider the things that we've studied this morning about the Ethiopian eunuch, and not just his willingness to say, I don't understand what I'm reading, but his willingness to look at the simple story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and obey it. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.